0: Let's stand up and pray, get right at the Word of God here, this wonderful Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Father God, we bow before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the Word of God. As I come to teach, and make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach, but I'm trusting in you. And therefore, I know without doubt that you are annoying to my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from our heart within. Thank you for supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from our mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything. Carried by your anointing, power, and love to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding, removing confusion. That you will enter every heart under the sound of my voice, bringing faith, removing all fear. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today. In Jesus' name, and all those who love the Lord said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. The message is titled, On This Wonderful Easter, The Last Seven Days of Jesus' Journey to the Cross. Let's go to Psalm 22 in your Bibles, please. Verse 1. While you're looking for that, behind me we have a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. We took that from Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. All right, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This statement was made by David approximately a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. This is the very statement that Jesus used on the cross a thousand years later. David deals with what Jesus is going to experience during his crucifixion. Criminals were crucified for approximately one thousand year period and they began crucifying 700 years before Christ, 300 years after Christ had ended. However, when David wrote this psalm, there had not been any crucifixions for him to study. And yet, he described so accurately the experience that that only would happen 300 years later, after David had passed. So let's read, read the psalm then, beginning, uh, uh, bearing in mind that David is writing it as though Jesus would write it about his own experience. All right, so this psalm is written as if it were Jesus writing the psalm about his own experience, even though written 300 years before Jesus died on the cross. Um, no, 1,000 years before he died on the cross. All right, Psalm 22, verse 1 again. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I am not silent. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. Now at this point, the sin and guilt of the world was coming upon Jesus. That's what he's describing there. Verse 7 And those who see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Now, the people walking around the cross during the crucifixion actually said those very words a thousand years after they were written you see that in Matthew 27 and verse 39. Go back to our psalm, verse 9. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust when I was on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of bastion have hemmed me in. Like roaring lions attacking their prey, they come at me with open mouths. This could be referring to the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who orchestrated the crucifixion because of jealousy. Verse 14, he says, My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. Now remember, after the spear went to the side of Jesus, water ran out. That's what he's talking about. That's exactly what happens during the crucifixion. The bones of an individual come out of joint from hanging on that cross. He described that perfectly. David did. The B part of the verse says, My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my side, my hands, and my feet. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Again, that statement was written 300 years before the first crucifixion ever took place. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 17. I can count every bone in my body. My enemies... Stare at me and gloat. When he says, I can count every bone in my body, that is saying that none of his bones were broken or will be broken, and that all of his bones will, uh, and all of his blood will drain from his body. In Psalm 34, verse 20, David prophesies in a different place that not one of his bones shall be broken. And then we see in John nineteen thirty-three that we learn that not one of his bones were broken. When they came to break the prisoners' legs because they weren't dead yet, they break their knees so they can't hold themselves up and breathe, they suffocate to death. They didn't have to do that to Jesus because he was already dead. So no bones are broken. The crucifixion is a clear demonstration of how much God loves humanity. Let's take a journey back in time. On the screen now, you have a picture of the old city of Jerusalem. Now, here is the town of Bethlehem down here, okay? And that's about, oh, one and a half miles or a mile, maybe less, about a mile from the city of Jerusalem. You would walk along that road, This is the garden of Gethsemane, where the Mount of Olives is. They come down this road and enter into the city or into the temple area through the Kedron Valley, which is down here. And uh, over here is the uh, upper room on Mount Zion. This is Jerusalem as it was in Jesus' day. Mount Zion is raised slightly, even though this whole town is actually a minor hill but Mount Zion is slightly higher than the rest, and that's where the upper room was. And we'll be talking more about all this as we go along. Just pick that, put that picture in your mind. Up at the top there's Golgotha, where the three crosses are. That's where he was crucified. And that road going straight up is the Damascus Road going to Damascus. It leaves the city wall at the Damascus Gate. We'll talk about all that, keep that in your mind. Now let's go to the map of that same city. Okay, there it is. We're going to use that now as we follow his journey the last seven days before crucifixion. Number one, the first place we want to identify. Jesus arrives at Bethany and stays at Lazarus' house, the man he rose, raised from the dead. And Martha and Mary were his sisters. On Friday, he arrives there one week, seven days before the crucifixion. Then point number two we want to identify. On Sunday, five days before the crucifixion, Jesus rides down the Mount of Olives on a donkey and triumphantly enters Jerusalem with thousands of people lying in the streets, waving palm branches and taking their jackets off and throwing them on the streets as he went over them with his jacket. You'll see that in John 12 and also Matthew 21. They cried out, Hallelujah, to the king, right? And then number three, the third, well, that's the Mount of Olives right here. i showed you that. All right, so he went down into the temple, actually, on that, that day. Then that was the Sunday, five days before the crucifixion. Number three, on Thursday, the day before crucifixion, Jesus came to Jerusalem to eat the Passover with his disciples, and he went to the upper room on Mount Zion. And I showed you where that was, right here. The Last Supper, point number three. That's where the upper room was. We've been there. They claim it's the exact place. We're not sure. Anyhow, he ate the Passover meal with his disciples. They ate the Passover together somewhere between 6.30 p.m. and 9 p.m. We call it the Last Supper sometimes. So between 6.30 and 9 p.m., that's when they ate it. That night, Thursday night. Now the Passover, the Passover begins at sunset the day before. So Passover, although it was on the Friday, actually began at sunset on Thursday night. And at sunset on Friday, it ended. So now, you'll see that in Matthew 26 and John 13. Point number four, after eating the Passover meal, At approximately 9 p.m., Jesus and his disciples left the upper room and went to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives to pray. You can see that in John 18. All right, the Garden of Gethsemane. So he left there, went all the way up here walking, walking. Think about how much walking Jesus did, and he never slept that night either. Now, that's on the east side of Jerusalem, on the other side of the Kedron Valley. It would take them approximately two hours to walk from the upper room to Mount Zion, from Mount Zion, the upper room, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And they began to pray, and his disciples fall asleep. This is now a few hours before his crucifixion. Jesus must have prayed from 11 p.m. that night, Thursday, until 3 a.m. on Friday morning. Approximately 3 a.m. on Friday morning, Judas Iscariot arrives with the soldiers given to him by the high priest. Now, we know Judas is one of the 12 disciples who betrayed Jesus, right? Sold him for 30 pieces of silver. All right, so point number five, Judas Iscariot and the soldiers arrest Jesus and take him from the garden of Gethsemane to Annas' house, the former high priest. You'll see that in John 18. So Annas' house is right over here. So he walks from the Garden of Gethsemane another two hours back to Annas' house as a prisoner. At four o'clock in the morning, only half the members of the Sanhedrin were present when they tried Jesus. Because of this, the trial was illegal. The Sanhedrin consisted of Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, the religious lawyers, and uh, they made up this body called the Sanhedrin. And there's supposed to be a full council, but there wasn't. And so the trial is actually illegal. They said he was guilty of blasphemy because he acknowledged that he was the Son of God. Number six, the sixth point we want to show you is they take him to Caiaphas, who was the current high priest at the time. You can also see that in John 18. So from Annas' house, the used-to-be high priest, to Caiaphas, the current high priest, and he tries Jesus as well. Okay? Then point number seven, since the Jews had no authority to crucify Jesus, they took him to Pilate and asked him to crucify Jesus, who was the Roman governor of the area. They took him there at 6 a.m. on Friday morning. Number seven, that's right up at the top here. That's Pilate's fortress right up here. They took him to Pilate on Friday morning, arriving at 6 a.m., that's the 3rd of April, the year 33. After thoroughly examining Jesus, Pilate could find no fault in him, according to Luke chapter 23, could find no fault in him and wanted to release Jesus. Number eight, not seeing any way out of this, Pilate decided to send Jesus to King Herod, who was the Jewish king in the pocket of Rome. King Herod, one of the most wicked kings that ever lived, who cut off the head of John the Baptist, could find nothing wrong with Jesus either. You'll see that in Luke 23. So this is where King Herod stayed, right over here. He walked from there down here. That's another 45-minute walk. All right, then because the religious leaders were losing popularity, they said to Pilate, the people say Jesus is, because they went back to Pilate number nine. Now he's at Pilate number nine. Send him back there. And now the people, the Pharisees are saying to Pilate, the people say Jesus is the new king. And if you don't crucify him, that means you are guilty of rebelling against Tiberius, the emperor of Rome, because you are saying there's a new king. And so he got afraid when he heard that, and he submitted the, to the pressure and had Jesus crucified. So point number 10, um, point number 10 there is where he was whipped by the cat tells tails. Pilate handed Jesus over to be whipped and flogged and scourged. He was... Tied to a stone pillar, he would be standing on his toes so that he would, if he fell unconscious, they could carry on whipping him while he was unconscious. Two soldiers would work together to whip one man, each having a turn from different sides of the man. The whips they used had short handles with a number of different leather thongs coming off each whip. At the end of each leather thong, they would have tied either a blob of lead or a sheep hoof. When these leather thongs hit the person's back, they would wrap around and dig in deep. And when the soldier ripped the whip back, skin and flesh would fly off the person. These soldiers were professionals. They did this all day long. They could take a fly off a wall a hundred times out of a hundred. They, they received 39 lashes, and however, there might have been as many as seven of, of these thongs tied to each lash, um, a piece of leather, which means the person could have received 273 pieces of leather strike his body when they hit 39 times. 273 pieces of leather with bones uh, and lead attached to it hit his body During those 39 lashes. Now, without receiving medical attention immediately, a person would most probably die in a few hours without being treated after that lashing. It was remarkable, therefore, that Jesus was able to stand on his feet, never mind carry a cross, and they mocked Jesus by putting a purple robe on him, and they said, You want to be king? Now, here is your kingdom. They said a king needs a crown, so they found him a crown of thorns. These thorns grew in Israel, and I have personally seen them with my own eyes. The name of these thorns is Zizi Fuz. They are approximately one inch long, and they grow on a long vine, and they are sharper than a razor and stronger than steel. They penetrate deep into the skull bone without any difficulty. We have all had a small thorn or splinter in our finger at one time or another, and we know how uncomfortable that is. So we can imagine what he was going through with that around his head. Now these thorns are poisonous, and so in a few moments his head would begin to swell. And imagine what would happen when the vine was wrapped around his head, and now his head begins to swell even bigger. With With his hands tied behind his back, They blindfolded Jesus and uh, these soldiers, these huge strong soldiers punched him while he was blindfolded in the face, full on. And you can just imagine what that did to to the man. Then they took the blindfold off and pulled his beard off of his face with their hands. They must have ripped the skin off, the flesh off of his face, And then they spat on that naked face. Now let's picture the scene. There stands a person resembling something looking like a man. Resembling something looking like a man. Skin and flesh off of his face. A giant head with thorns wrapped around it. His eyes swollen closed. His face smashed to a pulp. Skin and flesh missing from his face where the the beard was removed blood everywhere, and yet not one word of complaint. Not one word of complaint. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He knew this was the punishment that you should have received, that I should have received. So he was taking it on our behalf, taking it in our place for us, so we didn't have to take the punishment of our own sins. The cross was not a smooth piece of planed wood. It was a rough, unfinished, splintered wood. Now remember, his skin and flesh had already been removed from his back. Now his splintered cross was on that bleeding back. John 19, verse 17. Carrying the cross by himself, Jesus went to the place called the Skull Hill. In Hebrew, Golgotha. Carrying the cross... By himself. Then he obviously fell and could not get up. Because remember, he had not snipped the whole night. He prayed through. He had been walking everywhere. He had not slipped, been beaten and lashed. Now he's carrying the cross. So he fell exhausted, could not get up. Mark 15:21. A man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the country just then, and they forced him to carry. The cross of Jesus. Now remember, we read in the Psalms where Jesus said, I can see my bones. He could probably see his ribs on both sides of his body. The flesh was gone. They made him walk in that condition, a dead man walking. Obviously, he could not see where he was going. His eyes were closed. Neither did he have any strength to walk. Number 11. So, from, uh, from Pilate's judgment hall, they took him to the gate of Damascus. That's number 11. That road goes out of the Damascus gate and heads north to Damascus. From Pilate's judgment hall, they went out the Damascus gate, number 12. And they went to Golgotha on Mount Moriah. On the road that leads to Damascus, called the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified, according to John 19, verse 17. Approximately one kilometer, or half a mile, from the gate to the place where Jesus was crucified, which is actually closer to the road. Yes, right there. Now, two thieves were crucified with him, one on each side. Now, he was crucified on Mount Moriah. Let's talk about that for a moment. Mount Moriah is approximately one and a half miles in length. and runs north to south. It runs north to south. That's north where Jesus was crucified, and south is down here. So, about one and a half miles long is that mountain. It's not actually a mountain. It's just a hill, a slight raised area. It's not a mountain as such. They call it Mount Moriah, and uh, you can see that in John 19, 17, King Herod cut a huge slice of Mount Moriah away from the northern side, to, he excav- excavated that to build his temple. This mount is, is pure limestone, so he excavated the north side and took the stone and built his temple. With it. Now, so the road runs now, the new road runs past the excavation area. So if you go and walk on that road, on the one side, you'll see a cliff where the excavation left a cliff. And this Damascus road runs right along Mount Moriah, right next to that cliff, right next to that cliff. And uh, it's not high. It's probably about 20 yards high. That's all, 60 feet. And uh, when he excavated it, by accident, left on the face of the rock was the skull and bones called Golgotha. It wasn't done on purpose. You can see it clearly. The skull and bones on the face of the rock. Hence the name Golgotha. So, now... Number 13 is, uh, let's go back there. Number 13 is the temple which was built from, from that limestone. Um, remember, hundreds of years, hundreds of years before this crucifixion, God sent Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on that very mount. He said, I want you to go to Mount Moriah to sacrifice your son Isaac. And remember that he he took some wood and he put it down and he tied his son on top of that wood. And he was about to stab him when God stopped him and sent an animal caught in in the bush. And he said, offer the sacrifice of the animal instead of your son because you proved to me that you would do it. Now, why did God say that to Abraham? Why did he have to offer up his, his only son, Isaac, as a sacrifice? You see, Isaac is a type, a shadow, an example of Jesus. When God created everything, he gave Adam authority over all the work of his hands. He said, I'll give you dominion over all the work of my hands. That means I'm putting you in charge. You're going to be the God of all of my creation. And then when Adam sinned, then Satan pounced on Adam like a cat on a mouse and dominated Adam because he sinned and he was cut off from God at that point. And so Satan, you might say, hijacked all that authority over all God's creation by controlling, dominating mankind. Now he's cut off from God because of his sin. And all of his children were, his tenants were. And um, that's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that Satan is the god of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Satan is the god of this world. He's not the god of the Christian. He's the god of the world system And the unbeliever. He's the God of those who don't believe in Jesus. He's their God. Now, so God came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm on the outside looking in. I want to help humanity. I can't. I gave it all away. I want to make a covenant with you. And in that covenant, everything you own will become mine and everything I own will become yours. And, uh, If you make that covenant with me, then all your children will become my children as well. And Mary will be my my daughter as well. And so I can bring Jesus through Mary to the earth to redeem mankind. But you need to offer up your only son Isaac as evidence that you will give all to me so that I can offer up Jesus, my only son, to prove that I will give all to you. So that's the covenant. You give me all, Abraham, I'll give you all. So offer up Isaac. And he went to Mount Moriah, the exact same place where Jesus was crucified, and offer up his son Isaac, and God stopped him just in time. Now once Herod had completed his excavations on Mount Moriah, they could see the skull left there at the foot. Now, let's go to the cross as we got it there. When they arrived at Golgotha, they would lay the person being crucified on the cross and they would hold him down. So, they were, all the thieves and criminals were crucified at the foot of that mount, at the bottom of the cliff on the Damascus Road. So, anybody going by could see the crucifixions taking place. So, Jesus was crucified along with all those other criminals. They would lie the person down take a large spark, a rusty spark, and place it on the wrist of the person. They'd hold him down, knock it one good hit, it would go through the wrist and onto the wood. Then they'd hit it again and go into the wood. Not through the hand. If they put it through the hand, the palms would split open and the person would fall off the cross. The spark through the wrist would not shatter the bones but dislocate the bones. One good hit would drive the spark through the wrist, up against the wood. The next hit, into the wood itself. And then they'd move the next arm. They would take the leg of the person being crucified, bend his knees so that his foot was flush with the wood on the cross. They would knock a spark through the foot, one good hit, until it hit the wooden beam. And they'd stop, and then they'd lift up the other leg, and they'd slide it underneath that one, the foot, And then they would knock it again until it hit the wood the second time. And then they would keep hitting until the spark went through both feet into the wooden cross. Now Jesus was therefore pinned to the cross. They lifted that cross up and dropped it in the hole while his body's dangling there by the sparks in his hands and his feet. Now you can imagine that every demon in hell, including Satan, was watching and listening intently to what was happening. Every angel of heaven listening. It seemed like all of heaven and earth were holding their breath as they watched this crucifixion of the Son of God. Then finally these words come out of Jesus' mouth. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Father, forgive this man who's nailing this, who nailed this spike into my feet. Forgive these people who whipped me and put me on the cross. Forgive Pilate, Father. Forgive them all. Forgive every person that was ever born and going to be born. Forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Now, how can we begin to understand the love of God for us? His mercy toward us. And how He has forgiven us. And how He wants to spend eternity with us. He went through all that pain because the pain of not having us with him would have been worse for him. That's how much he loves us. And then he says, "Father, into your hands I commit my spirit." And his spirit leaves his body. Yes, family, God gave his very best. He gave himself. In John 19:41, and the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. So where the cross was, there's a garden. John 19, 41. Where the cross was, there's a garden. If you want to go back to that picture again quickly. Uh, of the, of the, the, that map of, 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 the, of Jerusalem. So right where the cross is up there, there's a garden. Why? Because there was a well there a well, the only well in miles around. And that well was owned by Joseph of Arimathea. And uh, so from the well, he planted this beautiful garden, and he cut out of the solid rock of Mount Moriah a tomb for himself. He didn't build a tomb with bricks and stones. No, he cut it out of the solid rock. He chiseled away that rock until there was a beautiful tomb inside the Mount Moriah. Right there where his garden is, where his well is. The Bible says, here in verse 41, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever laid. Because it was the Jewish day of presentation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Now, there are two tombs in Jerusalem. One is the right place. The other one is a man-made tomb. This one is not bricks like the man-made one, and it's not close to where Jesus was crucified. We've taken several tours to Israel and sat and had Bible studies in that beautiful garden right next to the tomb, and I pointed to the skull on the rock face, a hundred yards away. And I said, you see, that's where Jesus was crucified, exactly as the Bible says. At the place where he was crucified, there is a garden. We're sitting in it. And there is a tomb. Here it is. So this is the right tomb. Now, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And because he lives forevermore, we live forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. He rose from the dead, triumphant, conquered death on our behalf. We see that Jesus and God the Father gave their best. He gave their all. They gave their all. Nothing more to give. And that was the price of your and my salvation. Jesus is the healer. He's still the healer today. He healed those people and healed many, many more. Let's have Luke 4.40 up on the screens. The Bible says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. There wasn't one person that Jesus turned away when they came to him for healing. Not one. I'd like to ask you, how many of those people... That Jesus ministered to were perfect and deserved to be healed. And he healed thousands. How many were perfect? How many deserved to be healed? Not one. Not one qualified. But he healed everybody. He never said to anybody, You don't deserve to be healed. Now let's have a look at Matthew 4 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. The next verse says, News about Jesus spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Isn't that amazing? And the paralyzed, and he healed them. God is so good, isn't he? Now, of course, there's tons of scriptures like that in the Bible. Now, all of you here today, is there anybody here that has sugar diabetes? If you want to come down here now and minister to you, we believe God will heal you right now. Come on down quickly. Anybody has sugar diabetes, come and stand right over here. Stand right there. Stand over there. Over there. Or stand over there. Diabetes. Not here. Over there or over there. No one's standing in this area. That, That side or that side? All right, all those with diabetes. Okay. I'm only praying for those who have diabetes right now. Okay. Now, what I'd like you to do is understand that we minister healing by the authority of Jesus Christ. When we use that name, Jesus said, whatever you command in my name, I'll do it. John 14 verse 13. Whatever you command in my name, I will do it. So he do it by the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I can't heal anybody. I want to make it clear that Jesus is the healer. So when I come command in the name of Jesus for you to be healed, the power of God will come upon you. And I've got those people standing behind you because you'll probably fall over when the Spirit of God comes upon you. It's difficult for the body to stand up because the power of God is so strong and the physical body just gives way. You'll see that in John chapter 18 when the soldiers came to take Jesus prisoner in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said, he said, they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And He said, I am He. And when He said, I am, that's the name of God, right? The Spirit of God came upon all those soldiers. And the Bible says they fell backwards on the ground. They didn't lie down. They all fell over. They're supposed to take Him prisoner, but they fell over because of the presence of Jesus on them. Now that same presence is here because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And we're gathered together on this wonderful Easter Resurrections Sunday morning in the name of Jesus. So he is here in our presence, is that right? Okay, so I'd like you to say this. All of you, close your eyes in the front here and say this, today, When I am prayed for, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon me, that anointing, that heat of God's presence. And it will cure me, and I will receive my healing that Jesus purchased for me. I'll receive it today, it's mine, belongs to me. I'll receive it from Jesus, Right now, thank you Jesus. All right, so you'll feel that power come on you. Sometimes it feels like warm oil. Sometimes it feels like a warm heat flowing through your body. Sometimes it feels like mild electricity flowing through your body, but you'll feel it. All right, right now, you ready? Lady here, look at me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you right now, healing you, there it is. the name of Jesus. Receive. Praise God. Lady, look at me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you, healing you right now. There it is, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Is the Lord good? Don't hold hands, please. I want the anointing to stay in you, so you'll be fine, don't hold hands. Nothing to be afraid of. Look at me, dear brother. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you, healing you right now. In the name of Jesus. There it is. Look at me, dear sister. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you healing you right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Come with me, baby. I lay my hands on you now in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing. In the name of Jesus, receive your healing. In the name of Jesus, receive your healing. There it is, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive your healing. In Jesus' name... In Jesus' name... In Jesus' name... name, In Jesus' name, receive your healing. In Jesus' name, receive your healing. Now, all those that have cancer, I'd like you to come up the front quickly. All of you that have cancer. Any kind of cancer? Any kind of cancerous growth anything like that? Anybody? Okay, no one? Is one in the back coming? Okay, come on in. Come on right now, quick as you can. You got cancer? Your baby got cancer? Stand here. You got cancer? Stand right there, dear sister. All right. Step up close at the platform, please. I'll put my hands on your child. Hopefully he won't get too offended or upset with me. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'll pray over a cloth and you put it on him one when, um, thanks Kim, you put this on him whenever he's calmed down, okay? Stretch your hands out towards me, folks, and pray with me. Father, I release the healing power of God to flow into this cloth as they did in Acts chapter 19. In Jesus' name, to heal this child from cancer. Where's the cancer? My brain, but in your brain. Yes. Okay. You saw that lady get healed. Uh, I've got it's, quite it's, a few videos of people being healed from cancer. Yeah, I actually just came for Easter service. Okay. So, right, you ready to receive know this your healing? Yes. You ready to receive it? Yes. Okay. Look at me. I command by the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost that cancer will shrivel up in your head and die go from you in the name of Jesus. Look at me. Say, praise God, I receive that in Jesus' name. Okay, anybody here that's got serious back problems? You got serious back problems? Come on up quickly, please. You got pain in your back. can I have a chair please you got pain in your back praise god what happened to you All athletic injuries. Come on, sit down over here. What's your name, son? Steve, come sit down here, Steve. Yeah. Steve, could you sit square in that chair, please? Make the chair straight, somebody. It's not straight. Okay. Would you kindly give me your two legs, please, both of them? So it's an old injury. Can you put your legs together? Turn the toes out. Toes out, yeah. Okay, your legs are the same length. Put your knees straight. Okay, maybe law is different. About a quarter inch. Can you see that? All right, when you say thank you, Jesus, your short leg will grow out. Say thank you, Jesus. Okay, now you're going to feel that warm heat go up your back, Steve. There it goes. Getting hot right now. Getting hotter. And all that pain is melting away. There you go. Put your hands up. Say, thank you, Jesus. All right. The pain's all gone. You can get up. Bend down. Touch your toes. Turn. Do whatever you couldn't do before. Tell us what happened. Just feels amazing. I woke up this morning and deep pain in my lumbar. And now it's gone. It feels better. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Come sit down here. You're looking very sharp today, dear brother. Give me your legs. Now, you see one leg's about an inch longer than the other one. Can you see that? Can you see that? And when you say thank you, Jesus the power of God is gonna go through that short leg and lengthen it out. There it is, there it comes. Is that the same? Is that the same now? Do you feel it growing? I found something. something. (laughs) Now that same power lengthening your leg is going up your back. There it goes, sit back there, relax. Relax. (laughs) It's going up your back right now. they warm heat. Healing your back. Okay. You are healed, brother. Put your hands up. Say thank you. Just get up. Twist and turn and touch your toes. Okay. Twist and turn. Tell us what happened to you. Lady was texting and driving. No, what happened to you this morning? Hurt nine spines and what it seven. You had all sorts of spine injuries okay so now how's it feeling now feeling pretty good actually good no more pain <laughs> huh not right now no <laughs> see i'm not going to have any more pain i'm not going to have any more pain. here you go all right come on down here what's your name son sit down there eric what happened to you eric give me a, tell uh, us what happened i have a neck and lower back injury from uh, so I grew up on a farm. basically. I grew up on a farm, basically. So. Okay, good. Put your legs together. Huh? That's fine. That's fine. Okay, so you tell me your. Tell me your story in the microphone. Uh, I grew up on a farm, and just years and years of not taking care of myself. Okay. So you got back problems now. Your one leg's about as short and, and shorter than the other one. Can you see that? When you say thank you, Jesus, and it grow out. Right. You ready. Say thank you, Jesus. Is that the same now? So I'm pushing both legs, right? I'm pushing you almost over. Do you see that happen? Do you just believe what happened to you? Sure. Yes, okay. The same power is going up your back, healing you right now. There it is. Getting high. Feel that? That heat, huh? Now, you're healed. Put your hands up in the air and say, thank you, Jesus. All right, now get up and test yourself out. You're fine, you're fine. Everything is good. Touch your toes. Stand up. Tell us what Jesus did for you now. He healed my back, my lower back, and my neck. Okay. Come on down here. What's your name? Aurora. Yes. What did you do to yourself, Aurora? Um, I have scoliosis since I was a kid. You have scoliosis? Yeah, and three bulging discs. And three bulging discs. Do you have a lot of pain? Yes. Yes. All right, your leg is a little bit longer, not much. Can you see that? Can you see that? Yeah, yeah okay. When you say thank you, Jesus' short legs are going to grow out. Now have a look at it. There it is. Okay, that's the same. Now you're gonna feel that warm heat go up your backs, down, relax now, put your step against the chair. You feel that warm heat going up your back right now. Now you're gonna feel your back straightening. You're feeling it straightening. Scoliosis straightening and out, straightening up. All that curvature is going away. There it goes. Back straightening right now. You feel that? You feel it moving? Feel it moving. Tell us you feel it moving. I'm feeling moving. Yeah. Feel it moving? Yes. Now all the pain's gone. And you are Thank healed. You, you can get up, touch your toes. Touch your toes, bend around, move around. Twist and turn. Now tell us what Jesus did for you. He just healed me. Are you happy? <laughs> all right. Now, we're running out of time. Come on down, you Lance. Sit back in that chair. Give me your legs if you can. I know you're in a lot of pain. Put your legs together. Straight. Your one leg is slightly shorter than the other one. Not much, right? I'm going to hold him up for you. Relax. When you say thank you, Jesus is going to grow out. Say thank you, Jesus. That's the same, right? your legs down. Now, Lance. you're gonna feel that warm heat go up your back, there it goes. Getting hotter, praise God. All the way right up into your neck and down your shoulders, it's getting hot. Down your arms, that heat's flowing everywhere. Jesus is healing you right now, just enjoy that. All right, there it is. You are healed. Get up and touch your toes. Do whatever you couldn't do before. Be vigorous. Twist and turn. Put yourself through the paces. So Tell us what Jesus did for you. Jesus healed me. <laughs> All right. Now, uh huh. You can hardly walk. A lot of pain? Come and sit down there. I'll pray for you. I'll just lay hands on you, you'll be healed, don't worry. I don't have to put you in the chair. Let leg will grow out when I touch you, okay? All right, so what's your name dear sister? Sit back in that chair. Give me your legs, what's your name? Angela, what did you do to yourself? Um, my daughter passed away three years ago and after she passed away, I got really ill my hip went bad um, I got neuropathy down my leg and drop foot so and I have a bulging disc in my neck so I'm kind of I'm showing you in up. bad pain let's go to one to ten if ten is the real worst pain what are you at right now about a six okay turn your feet out your toes out no no put your legs together just turn it like to okay so your one leg is slightly shorter not much can you see that have a look Say thank you, Jesus. No, no. Just say thank you, Jesus. <laughs> there it comes. It's the same now. <laughs> All right, now you're gonna feel that warm heat go up your back. There it goes. Sit back, relax. That warm heat's going up your back right now. Healing you into your neck. It's getting hot. There we are. Feel that? All right, so you're totally healed. Put your hands up. Say thank you, Jesus. Now get up and test yourself, be vigorous. Come on, you heal. Get up there, move around. What happened to you? Move around. Don't be afraid to test yourself out. Just bend down, touch your toes. Now stand up, put your hands up. Say thank you, Jesus. Now, test yourself again. Stamp that foot on the ground. Tell us what Jesus did for you. He killed me. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Stand right here, quickly. Quickly. Ready? Ready to receive? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ready to receive? In the name of Jesus. Pain's going from your body right now. There it goes. You are healed. In the name of Jesus. Pain's all gone. In the name of Jesus. Pain's all gone. In the name of Jesus. The pain is all gone. Go and rejoice. All right, all of you that want healing in your body, stand where you are right now. I don't have to touch you. Whatever healing you need in your body, stand right there. I'm going to pray from here. God's going to touch you and heal you right there at your seat. Are you ready? Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up. Now I say, I receive the healing power of God to fall on me and heal me right now in the name of Jesus. There it is. There it is. God's flowing through your body right now. All pain's going. All discomfort is going. Say thank you, Jesus. There it is. Praise God. All right. It's done. Now test yourself out. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Test yourself out. Be vigorous with yourself. Do whatever you couldn't do before. Don't sit down. Now, If you notice the difference in your body, I want you to do this, with both hands, give God the glory. Notice the difference in your body, give God the glory now. Wave at me. All right, God bless you all, hallelujah.